Hey, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. This is just a quick note for those of you listening to this on the audio version of the podcast. This is a live stream that I did over on YouTube. I'm going to start doing these sort of every Friday, and those are going to be the episodes for Friday. So if you do want to get notified of that, I will be sending out on my email list. So if you're on my email list, you, you should see that or get that email when I go live. Otherwise, you can subscribe over on YouTube. If you just go to johnmorrisonline.com slash YouTube, you can subscribe there. Make sure ring the bell. And then that way, when I go live, you will be notified of that. But with that said, here is the replay from that live AMA. So what I'm, I'm going to be doing a, a, a live AMA here, sort of the first one of these live streams I've done, but wanted to get into this a little bit. I, I, I sort of need to test a little bit, see how many people jump on here, but A, I just need to make sure you guys can hear me okay and everything. I sort of tested this yesterday, but it seemed like seemed like it was good. So if you guys can hear me, and then if you guys have questions, uh, this is a ask me anything. So this is sort of for you guys to, to ask me your questions and so forth. All right, cool. What's up, Christopher, Luke? Let me, I'm going to go ahead and send out the link to my email list real quick so we can get in. What's up, Yubin? JC, thank you. See how many more people jump in. Looks like we got a few jumping in here, so that's cool. All right, so again, like I said, this is Ask Me Anything. So if you guys have, I'm, I'm basically here to answer your guys' questions or or chat or if you guys have comments or whatever. So uh, let me know in those things. If you guys have never done these before, what's up, Zik? Suman, yeah, trying something new. <laughs> so I, what's funny about that? Luke, thanks for answering my question. Make a video on it last week. Didn't get time to answer back, but it really helped. No problem. I mean, that's ultimately, like I said in one of those videos, that's sort of what I want to, I want this to be a resource for you guys. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we all, we're, we're all in this game sort of together and we all have different things that we do. And I've been doing this a long time and I think there's things that I can, I can sort of help people out with. So that that's, I want this to be a resource for you, you guys. Obviously I'm, still running a business and all that. So I'm going to do what I got to do for, for that. But again, I really want this to be a resource. So that's why I want to start doing this. So I was going to say what's funny about, uh, what, what's funny about this live stream stuff is I actually started some of you old fogies might remember this, but I, about two or three years ago when YouTube first came out with it, I set everything up and started doing it. And like you do live streams and basically nobody would show up. So Cause it was like this brand new thing. So I sort of stopped, I just sort of stopped doing it cause it didn't seem like anybody was into it. Now it's like this huge thing. So I should have kept doing it. But anyway, it, it's sort of funny to see this. So I got a question from Christopher. I got a question. What's the best way that you'd recommend to learn object oriented PHP? Um, I mean, that that's sort of an interesting question. Uh, when it, when it comes to object oriented programming and, and, and in PHP in particular, I, I sort of think that, like a lot of people get caught up. I've I've done some videos and, and articles on this before where a lot of people get sort of uh they get caught up in the 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 technical part of it, writing a class and so forth. And what I think is more important than that is sort of the bigger picture and stepping back and understanding what object-oriented programming actually is, what the purpose of it is and and the the conceptual framework because when you understand that it object oriented programming isn't something that just exists in PHP obviously it's something that exists across all sorts of different languages and so 
I mean, you really need to understand the concepts. That's why the course that I created on it, I called it building professional applications with object-oriented programming, not you know, object-oriented programming 101. Because at the end of the day, object-oriented programming is about you know, it, it, it's about building applications. It's about building sort of professional lap level applications and the way that you go about doing that. So you know, it, it to me, it's more about that. And then once you get that sort of the technical stuff, sort of you, you obviously still need to learn technical skills, but that technical stuff sort of falls in line. So, I, I mean, not to do too many shameless plugs on this sort of thing, but I, if, if you haven't done anything with it, I would go to the the johnsfreetoots.com site. There's a there is a object-oriented programming tutorial over there. The very first lesson in that is what is object-oriented programming and we talk about all of those concepts and so forth. I mean like like I said it's completely free. So that would be my recommendation and then once you have that then I mean there's all sorts of different stuff out there in terms of the actual technical details and learning, you know, classes and this that and the other. So that, that would be my recommendation when it comes to that. Luke says we got a push notification. Yeah, yeah, they added that, so that's good. Can you tell me about PHP course which you developed? What exactly these course for WP developed or any kind of application we can develop? I'm not sure I 100, 100% understand that question. So if you can maybe clarify at tool a little bit what that is. Uh, Camo says you need to learn object during programming in general, not focus in a particular language. Yeah, I sort of agree. I mean, what's up, Zero? Boss Swim? Uh, yeah, I, I sort of agree that you do need to learn it in general. That said, there are specifics for your language that you're going to be operating in that, that are going to be important. So, I mean, if you're already working with PHP and you want to get into doing object-oriented programming, I, I mean, taking a course that's object-oriented programming in PHP or, or tutorials, watching YouTubes or whatever. I mean, that makes sense to me. So, um, yeah, I mean, but again, it's the concepts that matter. So, agree learner, do I have to learn a framework to get a job? So, this is, uh, to be honest with you, this is where, I mean, this is where I'm probably out of my depth a little bit as well because I've I've pretty much freelanced since the very beginning. You know, I've 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 had jobs, but it was at small web shops and so forth, never at a sort of a big company. And so I, I don't really have that experience. That said, I mean, it, it. I think it really comes down to the industry, the job in particular, the company and so forth. I think some are going to really want you to use frameworks and some aren't. Do you have to learn a framework to get a job? I've never really got into frameworks. I've messed with them a little bit, but I've never sat down and learned Laravel or any of these others that are out there. So, and you know, I've been doing this for 13, 14 years now. So again, that's sort of a freelancing sort of side of things, but I don't think that you have to learn a framework to get a job. Certain jobs will require that and frameworks can be handy in certain ways. And I, I don't want to hate on frameworks or whatever, but do you have to get uh, uh, learn a framework in order to get a job? I I don't really think so. So, uh, Bosswim, what is your background, and how did you get started in code? So, I actually talked about this just the other the other day. Um, you know, when I when I was coming up, and you you guys, I'm gonna lower this. This might be loud. You guys may or may not, depending on how long you've been doing this, uh, like you may or may not uh, like this. You may know this already or not, but 
I started back, I think I first started and started doing anything online really about 2004 is probably when 2004, 2005, when it was anything sort of serious. And back then, right, there was no WordPress. The PHP was like, I think, just in its infancy, if it even existed at that point. Like a lot of these things that are around today just didn't exist. And so I sort of came up on the way I got introduced to it was actually the internet marketing side of things. I, I met this guy who had built a website and he had was selling products on it and he uh, had learned, you know, was sort of learned how to start making money off of the internet way back in, you know, again, 2004. And so that's how I was like, okay, if I can make, you know, if I can make an income off the internet, like, yeah, I want to do that. And so that's how I came up on it. I sort of came up on the internet marketing side. And I, I would say at that time, the other major side of things was like the blogger side of thing, which eventually those were the people that developed, you know, WordPress and all the dynamic stuff that we see today and the, the PHPs and all that stuff sort of came from that side. And those two sides always said had sort of a, you know, a, a, a reluctant relationship because the bloggers you know, they were really good at creating really good content and putting out a lot of free information and traffic and that sort of thing. But they weren't really good at like selling products and, and monetizing that. The internet marketers were really good at monetizing stuff, but they basically all just had landing pages and so forth. And now you see sort of a melding of that today. But I got started actually not trying to get into code. I got started trying to to build, what's up, Steven? Uh, I got started trying to into it, start, uh, trying to do the internet marketing thing. I mean, I, I had a yoga website. <laughs> I had, uh, I had like a dating sort of website back in the day. I did all sorts of stupid stuff. And what I learned is that I was not quite so good at the marketing side of things. And I was a lot better at the coding side of things. So I ended up just like kind of going in on the coding thing. And I had people that I knew in the internet marketing side of things that needed websites built. So I just started building their websites for them. And that's sort of how I got into it. So there's a lot more to that story, but that's ultimately kind of the answer of how I got into it. All right. Agree Learner says, I can't figure out if I should learn JavaScript frameworks or PHP. Yeah. I mean, again, a lot of this stuff is just, it's just preference. It's like, what do you want to do? You know, I, I, I mean, I, I, have obviously sort of gone in on the PHP side and I, it's not like I don't know JavaScript, but I certainly don't know it at the level that I know PHP. And again, me personally, I've been fine with my career, not knowing just being a master at JavaScript, but there's a, probably also people out there who, you know, have, have gone into the JavaScript side and maybe don't know near as much when it comes to PHP and they're probably just fine too. So sort of just kind of depends on, what you want to what you want to get into what you enjoy doing you know there's markets out there there's there's jobs there's freelance gigs the markets for both are out there i would say javascript's probably sort of uh, well definitely is more popular right now php sort of become the redheaded stepchild of of web development even though there, there's still a lot of php development going on so it what do you want to do as far as react or or view js you know i I've never even sort of messed with React, to be honest with you. Um, Vue, I messed with a little bit. I liked it, but again, I just never got into the, really got into the JavaScript side of things. So I don't really probably have a great opinion on either one of those. So I, I don't want to 
tell you something and I don't, when I don't really know what the answer there. All right. Hi, John. What this is from Shaw, Sean Shaw. Thanks for being on the live stream. Like, so hold on just one second. Let me step back for a second. We got 35 people on here. I never, when we did a live stream before, when I did it three, four years ago, I never had that many people on a live stream. So this is, this is pretty cool. So thanks guys for showing up. So, uh, hi, John, what do you think about full stack web development? I mean, uh, my opinion has, has sort of been the same. I, I think there's a place for front end web development. I think there's a place for back end web development, but you're sort of always going to be open to more stuff if you do full stack web development. At the end of the day, though, I think most full stack developers are, uh, you know, they're not, they're, they're, they're either front end developers who are proficient at the back end or they're back end developers who are proficient at the front end. I would say I'm a back-end developer who's proficient enough at the front-end. Um, and so I still think even if you're going to go full stack, you should really sort of have a specialty. You should have something that, that you know, you, you really, you, you dive into. That's what you're sort of known for um, because I think you're just, it's going to be a lot easier for, for you to get work. It's going to be a lot of, you know, you're going to be working on the kinds of things that you want to work on, all that sort of stuff. So even if you're going to go full stack, I, I still think you should sort of go in on a front end or a back end or whatever. I mean, I would say for me at the end of the day, and I know, again, it's one of the redheaded stepchilds of web development right now, but my probably biggest strength is WordPress. I mean, even the developers that I work with who are way smarter than me, who you know, I've been doing this a lot longer than me who could basically run circles around me when it comes to say PHP. I'm still the one that they come to for WordPress questions because I just, I've worked with it so long. I know it's sort of inside and out. So again, having that thing, I think is still important if you're, if you're going full stack. All right, Joseph, thanks for being on. It's a, what programming language is best to learn from anywhere to do your job? So, I mean, again, these questions, uh, what what language is best? I I don't get into that. Like I don't get into what is best. Technically, there's all sorts of arguments that you can make about this language or that language or whatever. Um, but when it you know when it comes to the actual career side of things, there's a market out there for everything. There's jobs out there for everything. So, what programming language is best? To me, the pro pre programming language that's best is the one that you like doing, the one that you're really good at, the one that you've learned and you can actually go. It's better to be really, 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 really good at one thing, even if the market for that is really small, because you can be the best in that small market. And like people are going to pay for that. So from a career wise, it's what do you want to do? What are you good at? What what are you passionate about? And are actually going to take the time to learn and try to be the best at. That's what matters to me, the technical side of things, we could debate that sort of all day long. I mean, we could go back and forth until we're blue in the face. And there's arguments on both sides all the way across the board. I don't get into that. I, I've, again, this is one of those things way back in the day to, you know, early 2000s, mid 2000s, people went on and on and on and on about this. And they're still doing it today. And it just is sort of, it just seems pointless to me. Do what you want to do. Do what you're going to put the time in to be really good at. And you have to do a little bit of soul searching and be honest about that. But to me, that's the best language for you. And that's that's all that really matters. 
All right, S. Markovitz, is HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and PHP enough to develop a trading robot? I have no idea. Maybe. I, I've never sat down to develop a trading robot. I don't know what that entails. Um, I, I mean, I would guess if, if you know, PHP can do quite a bit of things. So I, I, I would guess, but I, I don't really know. Uh, Zick Pranks, John was the membership dev master. That's right. I built a lot of membership sites for a lot of people. And that was, again, WordPress and membership sites was, was what I was known for for a long time. And, and then, again, that that's sort of what I was just saying. In that small community of people, right? Like I was really well known in this really, really small community. And that allowed me to just sort of do whatever I wanted to do and sort of write my own check. So, again, and that was a teeny, teeny community. There was that community was so small that there was probably in a given month, there might have been four to five jobs posted on Upwork for that community. Now, if you know anything about Upwork, you know that damn near anything you can buy, you can go find underwater basket weaving and probably find 15 people a month that want something <laughs> done there. I mean, the most obscure things have a lot of a lot of stuff posted, and this one had four to five. But those four to five projects, literally nobody else was bidding on. Or if they were, they were like they were like generic web development people who weren't specifically they weren't specialists in this one thing. And those each one of those projects was three to five thousand dollars. So I didn't need 20 projects in a month. I needed two, one or two a month, really. And I can make the kind of money I wanted to make. So, again, that's what that's sort of the the trick with all of this in my opinion beekeeper signs you know if the opportunities are as good in the uk as the us i really don't i mean maybe someone on the stream who's from the uk can can uh weigh in on that i i've never been to the uk i don't really sort of pay much attention to it so sorry i don't i don't know that all right boston what jobs can i get using wordpress with very little knowledge of it <laughs> well I mean, I would say the thing to do is to get knowledge of it. I, you know, there's not a lot of stuff you can do with anything when you don't have little knowledge. So the thing to do is if you want to do WordPress, get the knowledge of it. And there's, there's two parts of that. There absolutely is a market in WordPress for people who know how just how to use WordPress, right? People who know how to install plugins and install themes and like no coding at all and just managing sites. I know... I, I work with a guy who his wife is a virtual virtual assistant and there she's a virtual assistant for really well-known people out there, really well-known online marketers and bloggers and so forth. And all she, she does very well financially and all that they do is point and click inside of WordPress, install plugins, do this. That's all they do. And they make a tremendous living doing it. So now, you could get into the debate of whether you call those people developers or not. They don't call themselves developers. But, um, yeah, there's there's absolutely that side of things. So just learning how to point and click in there and being good at that, can you can uh, make a living doing that. And certainly the development side of things. Although, as I've said, you're probably going to do better as a freelancer or as someone who makes their own plug-in or theme selling your own products the 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 getting hired at a company sort of thing probably isn't as prevalent in WordPress. It's absolutely there. Don't get me wrong, but you're probably not going to make near as much money doing that. So, but yeah, I mean, you you, you have to have knowledge of it that that you can't really get around that. All right, Luke. Oh yeah, probably the push notifications. Ed Edimar del Rosario. Sorry if I messed that up, but hi, I'm new in PHP. What's the best 
you can best advice you can give. Um, I think a couple things. One, don't listen to all the people out there who are like PHP is dead, PHP is trash, PHP is this, that, the other. While they're saying all that, the usage statistics are still clearly in PHP's favor. WordPress built on PHP is not only, you know, it's not only has a large market share, it's continuing to grow year after year. So um, don't listen to sort of all the haters out there when it comes to PHP. And probably the second thing, and I, I've talked about this a lot, and I talk about this in the context of the courses that I create and why I do them the way that I do them. And like people get mad at me sometimes because I do them this way, but it's not enough just to learn what to type. I got a actually got a comment the other day on one of my courses on Skillshare where they were like, sort of like, you explain too much. And when I get those comments, I'm like, I don't care. If that makes you not like the course, then that's fine. Because it's not enough to learn what to type. You have to learn why. That's what's gonna. That's what's really gonna make you a true master of something is getting into the why behind something and understand how it works at a fundamental level. So, again, that would be my 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 second biggest thing is slow down. Don't try. Like a lot of people are in a hurry to learn this stuff. Slow down. Learn the fundamentals. Get really really good at the fundamentals, and then you know, you can, you can sort of expand out and learn all the fancy stuff and start doing things that are going to help you get hired and so forth. But if you're constantly having to relearn those fundamentals, and this is from my own experience, I did this, you know, keep having to go back and relearn those fundamentals. It takes way longer in the end than if you just slow down, learn those fundamentals, learn the why behind stuff and, and learn how it works at a really fundamental level. And then the stuff that you stack on top of that, it, it, it becomes a lot easier. So that would be my my second biggest thing. From Sanchit, I want to improve data structure. Any expert advice? Uh, sorry, that's a uh, that's a little too vague for me. I'm I'm not exactly sure what what you're getting at there. So, uh, agree, learner. You're just as good live as <laughs> podcast. Thanks, appreciate that. Study and master the book Introduction to Algorithms. So there you go. There's a book that you can check out. Introduction Introduction to Algorithms. Thanks. Uh, do you think it's possible to have steady stream of jobs on freelance? I do. I mean, I sort of experienced this. It's not something that it, you just show up and it's going to happen, right? You're not just going to show up on Upwork or you're not just going to put up a website or whatever and suddenly have this steady stream. And I, I'm not saying a lot of people that that you think that, right? I don't want to be sort of too aggressive towards you, but um you know, a lot of people just, I've seen a lot of people who just, they like, I want a steady stream of freelance, but don't understand the work that goes behind that. You know, for a lot of years, this, this YouTube channel started initially in part because of that, right? Because I, I, I understood one of the things that I've gotten right in everything that I've done. One of the few things is I understood early on that YouTube was going to be a thing. And so, uh, I, I jumped on YouTube early, like, 2008 or nine was my first video and I created those videos. I really want to, I'm not trying to uh, trust me. I'm not trying to like plug a bunch of stuff here. That's not the point here, but I really want to create a course on that first, what I did in those first initial months uh, and how I use YouTube to get work and so forth. Because looking at it now, I see so many people who are like, how do I just get started? What are the first initial things that, that, that I uh, I need to do and so forth. And it's like what I did in those first few months when I was start on YouTube and how I piece that all together, like 
it's so simple it's so easy it's it's just it's crazy to me so anyway you know you 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 have to build a system at the end of the day you have to build a system for doing that there is a way to do that it involves things like youtube and and your own blog and and medium and even if you're on upwork right you still have to build out this system that's a, a matter of fact i think a big part of I, module three for my Upwork 101 or module four for my Upwork 101 course is going to be all about that, about we've talked all about how to go into Upwork and get work. What can we now do outside of it to draw a bunch of people to it and get us work? And so, um, yeah, you just, you can, it's absolutely possible, you know, in that, uh, in that uh, module, I'm going to show a screenshot of my support system and show the quote requests that I got on a monthly basis. But again, I'm we're talking about three to five thousand dollar jobs, and I was getting five to six quote requests in a month. And so you can absolutely do it. It just there's a system to it, and you you gotta set it up and make it work. All right, let's see. John, what do you think? Uh Sean Shaw, what do you think about? PHP scripting business with proper code document. I'm thinking to start one. Please let me know your review about it. Again, I, I hate to keep doing this, but what do you think about PHP scripting business with proper code document? I'm not sure what that means. So um, maybe if you could clarify and I could try and answer that for you. Uh, great show. Thank you. Thanks a lot. After have to relearn, relearn traits and closures every week, right? There's always something. Me, it was MySQL. I kept having to go back and learn stuff with MySQL and so forth. And and it just slows you down so much. So, uh, okay. See, that one's for someone else. Building WP plugin app with a lot of data. Problems with adding your own table versus extending WP core. Um, I, I'm assuming by extending WP core, you might be talking about like custom post types or, or something along those lines. You know, the, the the trick between adding your own tables and extending WP core has really comes down to the different like if you have if you have a, a data set that is completely completely different than what the custom custom post type sort of data model gives you because the custom post type model is built ultimately around posts so it's expecting a title a description an author there's certain pieces of data that go along with something that is is sort of oriented around a post model. And so if you have a, a, a piece of data that's just completely foreign to that, and you're going to have to like twist custom post types in, into, you know, into a bunch of different directions in order to make it work for your data, the type of data that you have, that's when you have a good candidate for um, building your own tables. So uh, that, that, that's sort of how you make the distinction there. I, I, not sure if that's exactly what you're asking me, Timothy, but hopefully, hopefully that's that's what you mean. So, um, you just got to look at your, uh, yeah, it looks like yes, custom post type. So, yeah, you just got to look at what your data is and if, whether it fits not fits well with a custom post type or not. But the thing about it is, you really the default is a custom post type, right? That, that's an important thing, and I, I that's one of the things I cover in the WordPress course that I do is the default is a custom post type. So you should default to thinking you're going to use a custom post type and only not use it in sort of extraordinary situations because the custom post type gives you just sort of immediate access to 
all of the the UI elements, the caching stuff, just a whole ton of stuff inside of WordPress that that you would have to write on your own if you're going to use custom, if you're going to build your own custom table. So there's a lot of extra code that you're going to have to write for no reason, right? For no reason, there's a lot of extra code that you're going to have to write if you go with a custom table. So you only want to do that when you have a really, really good reason not to use custom post types. So just hopefully make that clear. All right. I'm diving into freelancing and torn between learning Laravel or WordPress. I mostly work on Upwork. Your opinion on which one will help me land more jobs at Upwork, WC theme slash plugin or Laravel? I, I mean, I'm going off the top of my head, but I don't think it's even close. I mean, you know, we could, let me go over to Upwork real quick, actually. Let me just see here. My my hunch is that um, WordPress is far more more prevalent. So let's see. Fine. Let me go to my client or oops. Let me go to my freelancer account. I don't, I have XSplit, so I could show you my screen, but I didn't set it up for this because I just wanted to get going with it. Maybe in the future ones, I'll be able to do that so I can show you my screen. But let me do Laravel, see what kind of projects we got here. Yeah, so if you do a search for Laravel, and I know that's just a sort of a rudimentary thing, you find 48 jobs over on Upwork. That's in the US, that's US only. If we do WordPress, it's going to be, uh, 1,458. If we turn off US, it is 11,577 for WordPress, and it is 784 for Laravel. So that's not an exact, I mean, again, we're just using very, very generic terms, but I would, that, that fits with what my hunch is. If you're talking specifically about Upwork and getting more jobs, I don't think it's close. I, honestly, I don't think it's close with most things. WordPress is, um, more jobs than I think even PHP or even JavaScript, which is super popular right now. I think there's even more projects over there for WordPress than those. So WordPress on Upwork is is pretty pretty popular. And that's because it itself, that's why when people tell me, oh, WordPress is this, that, or the other, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll take all the jobs. You go do something else and fight over those 24 jobs you've got for, for JavaScript or whatever it is. I'll take the WordPress jobs. So all right. Um, okay, I got to leave. Thanks for stopping by, Luke. Is there any... Uh, I scrolled too fast. Oh, yeah, I messed up. Okay. Is there any logic to learning PHP? Like some main concept you need to understand more or better while learning it? Yeah, I mean, again, one of the first things that I talk about inside the course is I go through what is PHP. I think with any language, you need to understand how it fits into the overall scheme of web development. So, um, you know, it, that 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 that's absolutely true for PHP as well. To get one one of the things that I think, and I've talked about this a lot, I sort of get grief for it, but one of the mistakes that I think new developers make, hell, even intermediate developers is there's this there's this sort of this hyper focus on on code and syntax and functions and so forth but what you learn as you do this more and more is that where the true sort of skill i think and mastery of of a language or or of development as a whole comes from is comes from comes from concepts and understanding programming generally and then you, yeah you have to know syntax to how to apply it to your language but 
it, it's the concepts are far more powerful and far more important in in the the long run and in the end than the individual syntax because when you learn when you learn the concepts you, you can apply those to any language and that's actually why you know, that's sort of why I talk about object-oriented programming or sort of push object-oriented programming a little bit because object-oriented programming is sort of a set of, of concepts about how to build really scalable, extensible, flexible applications. It is sort of the concepts in, in a sense that, that are, are, are powerful for programming or important for programming. So that's one of the reasons why so many people push that, why I push that, because if you're talking about concepts being what's important, those are the concepts. So, all right. Many American universities hire international programmers. Okay. Does your course on Udemy have everything on your website? It doesn't. The course on Udemy is the PHP focused stuff. So it's got PHP 101. It's got the object oriented programming course. It's got the login script course. It's got the PHP forms course. And then it's got module two, which is the first module ever. That's confusing. Anyway, it's got module two of Upwork 101, which I sort of just threw in there. So, um, yeah, it's not every course, but it is, it's all the PHP stuff that, all the PHP courses that I have. Um, why did you choose coding and not something else? Um, well, I mean, like I said, initially I did choose something else and I wasn't very good at it, <laughs> I think is, is ultimately the thing. So, uh, I, I got into coding because I was because I was good at it or I had a sort of a natural knack for it. And I saw an opportunity of people that, that, you know, they, they wanted me to help them with stuff. So that's, that's what I, I did. Um, now that I've been in it, the, the one thing about coding and I've sort of evolved on this and you, you, you know, I've talked about this before, like for, a, for a good chunk of my career, I was like in love with coding I'm I'm maybe not as in love with coding as I was now after about a decade and a half, but I I still really enjoy it and I I I enjoy the community and I enjoy talking about it. I do I enjoy technology probably more as a whole. But the one thing about coding that has always sort of stuck with me is that when you reach a certain level, you almost feel like, and this is gonna be a little weird, I know, but you almost feel like you can just sort of create reality out of thin air. Right. It's almost like you're like this little mini God that can just create things out of thin air. And that uh, to me, what I love about coding isn't the code. It's the ability to create and build. And with time, that's sort of what I've uh, evolved on. And that's why I've sort of stuck with it because I could do other stuff. I could, you know, I could go do sales or management. I have a bunch of work history with that sort of stuff. I mean, I could go do that and probably make more money doing it. But uh, to me, just that fundamental of being able to create the way that we can create with code, it's that feeling is, is uh, for me, unmatched. I haven't found anything else that sort of makes me feel that way. So ultimately, that's why I stuck with coding. How often are websites built completely from scratch anymore? <sighs> that's a good question. I mean, if you if you trust the usage statistics, it's certainly less and less, I think. Um, was it 2000? I, I looked at these stats. It was 2010. WordPress, for example, was powering, I think, around 10% of websites or 12% of websites. And now it's up to 29. Um, I, I think I looked at some other statistics. I did a video where I looked at some of the statistics, other statistics along with that about uh, content management systems. 
and it's moved from like 20% to like 60% are now built with some some sort of content management system. I, I don't know if I'm getting those numbers exactly right, but yeah, there's absolutely been this huge move and that's just content management systems, right? You still have all these other sort of builders and stuff out there that um, they may be getting counted in those statistics or not. So I, I would say more and more it's headed that way. I just don't, as a, I don't worry about it. Like there's always going to be, it's one of the things I always talk about. There's always going to be that gap. There will always be that gap between I have this tool that can do 95% of what I want, but I want it to do this one thing. And that one thing always keeps growing, right? I mean, you know, 10 years ago, the thing that people wanted to do was video. Well, now video is easy. Well, now that video is easy, it's going to be something else. And it's live streaming, maybe. I, I, I don't know. But there's always that 5% gap. And if you know the code, you can live in that 5% gap. You can always make a living off of that 5% gap. You got to keep learning and keep pushing yourself and keep getting good at things. But you can always you can always make a living off that 5% gap as a coder. Or you can choose to live in that 90%, be the one that, that builds the stuff because a lot of people are just lazy and don't want to do it themselves. There are really rich people out there who will pay someone to post their content for them, not because they don't know how, they just don't want to do it. Great. I'll do that. That's fine. I don't care. I'll do whatever. Right. So it just depends what you want to do and where you want to live and so forth. So. Hi, John. I've been going over job listings for front end and the list of requirements seems extensive. Should I still apply even if I don't meet those requirements? Here's the thing I always I always say with that. I, I imagine that there are companies out there who build these exhaustive lists of requirements and they stick to them. Right. So I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. However, my experience is and across multiple industries, not just as in web development. My experience with that sort of thing has generally been that these are more wish lists than they are requirement lists. And most of the applicants they get don't ever meet those requirements. So uh, I, I wouldn't get too caught up with it. What I, what, I, what I say is try to focus on and figure out what is the most important thing. You know, um, Chris Sean is a really good example of this. He's sort of a popular YouTuber now. But when I first talked to him back in the day, he was just getting into web development. And one of the things he had watched a video and one of the things that I, I talked about all of this. And so what he ended up doing is he applied for a job where they asked for someone who knew bootstrap and PHP and all this, this long list of stuff. But he sort of figured out that by reading it, that what they wanted them, that person to be able to do is build bootstrap websites. So he's like, okay, bootstrap's the most important thing. He spent 30 days, learned bootstrap and then, build a couple websites he could show off, went and applied for that job and got hired. And then he learned PHP or, or I think he learned PHP and some of the other stuff as as he needed to. So find the thing that's most important to them and and be really good at that. And that generally will, will be the way that you can get in, even if you don't meet all of those those requirements. So, all right, Sam, hello, John. What do you think are the side skills needed for a successful freelancer? Um, so, I think it's a given that the ability to deliver, right, is important and wrapped up in that is your technical skill and also your responsibility as an individual, your right, your ability to be responsible and trustworthy and so forth. Putting that aside for a second because that's the most important thing, but I also think it's the obvious thing. The 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 second thing that I think is the ability to market yourself and this is I, I talk about this a lot. This is why I hammer on this stuff. This is why we go through this. But you got to be able to get work. I mean, at the end of the day, 
you, as a freelancer, work's not going to come knock on your door. So whatever it is, if you're a better networker or, you know, you can figure out you're good at, you can go and figure out Upwork and how to do that sort of thing. Or maybe you're, you're good at creating content and doing this sort of thing and attracting clients that way. Whatever it is, the, the, I think the second biggest thing is the ability to, to get work, the ability to market yourself, to sell yourself. And then the soft skills sort of come in after that. I separate marketing from soft skills because when I think of soft skills, I think of not being a douchebag, not being someone that people hate working with, not being unreasonable and irrational, being sort of responsible and, and the ability to communicate and all that sort of stuff. So those are absolutely important, but I think delivery, marketing, and then the, those soft skills are the, the three big blocks that you need in order to, to have success as a freelancer. All right. Oh, I don't. Let me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on there with those. Okay, let me. PHP script selling business with documentation for each project. Example: PHP Jabbers is the most popular company in PHP script selling business. Okay, so let me look that up. You're talking about creating scripts that you then just sell what probably, I guess, to individuals or maybe even other developers. Well, I mean, in terms of that being viable, if, if the thing about it is other people are doing it and they're having success, I don't know what the revenue numbers are for PHP jabbers and so forth. But if other people are doing it, then yeah. I mean, there, there there's some viability there. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. You just got to understand that you know, you're going to have to compete against these people. So can you compete against these people? You know, are you going to be able to, to, to put out the quality and volume and all that sort of thing? So, but if other people are doing it, and I, I think PHP classes is another one. I don't know how they, they monetize if it's actually what, what they do exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it can be, it just sort of depends how you go about it. Do clients from Zick? What's up, Zick? Do clients usually expect pro designs? I I mean, it, I think this question is being asked from. I don't think it's being asked from the designer perspective. It's being asked from the developer perspective. So, I'm a PHP developer or I'm a WordPress developer, and I know the code. But are they going to expect me to be able to come up with pro designs? This I'm. So there's two parts to this. I would talk about this all the time. Visual appeal is always important. So you need to know some basics about like white space and, and just sort of, you know, layouts and spacing and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, if the, the other side of it is it comes down to expectation management, right? Nobody that hired me to build membership sites for them hired me because I was a great designer. I, I mean, I'm not, you guys know, you see my stuff. I'm not a great designer now. I was way worse back then and I still would get hired. And so I just made sure and communicate to people up front and all my stuff that I, I, you know, I'm, I, I can come up with a design, but I'm not a designer. If you have someone or you have a design, it would be better for them to do it. And if you do that, I think, I think you'll be fine. You just sort of have to make sure that the thing that you do do you're really good at. So there was a reason why people came to me to build membership sites for them using the particular pieces of software that I used to build them because there were things that they wanted to do that they couldn't do. And, you know, I, I knew how to do those. And I was probably one of the few people 
literally in the world that knew how to do those things. So that's why they hired me. They didn't hire me for design. That's why I say specializing is always so much better because you don't have to worry about all that stuff. That's not why they're hiring you. They're hiring you to do this one thing that you're really good at. And that's the only thing that you ever do. And so you, you don't ever, you're never in a situation where you feel out of your element when you specialize properly. So, um, Will clients expect a pro design from a designer? Yeah, that's why they hire them. Will they expect them from you as a developer? If you if you properly manage expectations, then no, they won't. All right, Timothy Brown. I was worried about having fields that I don't use. I have all your courses in Patreon. You do a great job. First time seeing you live. Thanks for the great work. Hey, yeah, no problem. Fields that you don't use, right? For when it comes to custom post types, that's absolutely a thing. I mean, when you create the custom post type, you can specify you can sort of specify what fields and then you can add um, meta boxes as necessary to add in new data. But that's why I say you really have to, you have to figure out, does your data set, the data you're going to collect fit close to a, a post type model? Because otherwise what you're going to have to do is you're going to basically end up using none of the built-in WordPress fields essentially and having to create a bunch of custom ones your own. So you're already sort of building the cust, like you're already doing it. So now you might as well do it properly with a custom table. So that's how you, again, that's how you determine that. But having some extra fields, I don't think is a big deal. All right, Brandon LaFour, I've taken courses on Udemy, Codecademy, SoloLearn, and Free Codecamp for HTML and CSS specifically. Sometimes I did the same course two or three times. I haven't made too many sites 100% entirely complete from scratch on my own. But I feel like I don't know what to do now. I'm going to keep ingraining HTML and CSS fundamentals for now. Any suggestions? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the hard one. You should take a client. That That's the thing, right? When you reach the point where you are, uh, you know, when, when you're learning a bunch of code and you sort of feel like, I, I don't know what to do now. I'm sort of feeling lost. Like I, I, I can kind of do some stuff, but uh like when you're in that, when you're in that sort of of gray area, right? The thing you need to do is try and get work, and 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 have to actually build something for somebody, and have to deliver on that. Because two two things: one, it's going to tell you where you're at for sure, and then you know. The second thing is is most people find that they're held, they're, they're a lot further along than they thought. They can deliver on them a lot more things than they thought. They can actually do this and that gets you over the hump. What a lot of people are, or a goal will apply for a job, but what happens to a lot of people is they're like, you know, I'm learning this stuff and I know it, but do I know it well enough? Do I, right? And you, you can't answer that question until you actually have to do it for somebody, until you actually have to, you're on the hook. And that's, it's scary as hell, but that's the way you got to go. And it's okay if you fail, right? My first two clients I ever had, I essentially failed. I got about a halfway through the projects and I said, I can't complete this. I, I, I'm going to have to, I'll give you all the code. I give you your money back, but I can't, I, I'm, I'm beyond, I'm out of my depth. And if you do right by people, you know, I gave them their money back. I gave them the code that I had up to that point. They were, you know, they weren't, they were disappointed, but they weren't mad. And so they took the code that I had and they hired someone else and they got it done. Yeah, I was out, but it's better for me to be out than have these people pissed off going around telling everybody bad things about me. So, um, yeah, you just you 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 have to go out there and start doing. It. I always tell people start freelancing or start getting clients or start applying for jobs sooner than you're comfortable.
All right. Hey, John, what are your thoughts on a WordPress security consultancy protecting WordPress sites from known and emerging threats? Uh, again, there are people that do that and do that do really well with it. I absolutely think that's a thing because, I mean, people, when it comes to security, I mean, it's it's always evolving. Hackers are always developing new ways. I, this was funny. One of the things that was said in that the Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he went before uh, the different house committees and so forth. And they were asking him certain questions. And one of the things that he said is like, look, we're developing these tools, but this is a, this is sort of a, a back and forth, right? When we develop tools, these, these hackers or these people, the, these groups, they develop ways around our new tools. So that's always going on. It's the same way with WordPress or anything else. It's always happening. So, and a lot of people, a just don't, they're not going to keep up with that. They're not going to, you know, that, that that's beyond them and what they know and what they can do. And so, yeah, it, it's just, there's a need for it. And then those people like really just want to offload it onto somebody else. Like I just want somebody else to take care of it. And sometimes that's a plugin. Sometimes that's a service. Sometimes that's a consultant. You know, you, you, those business models sort of already exist. If you're going to do a consultancy, you, I would look into how consultants work outside of WordPress security. Right? How consultants work just in general in other industries and and what those business models look like and what makes a good consultant and how they sell their services and all that sort of stuff. And then come back and apply that to what you're going to do with a consultancy in WordPress. But sure, I, I think that's absolutely a thing. All right. It's from Charles Tofield. Uh, let's see. Uh, I keep scrolling too fast. Hey, John, I'm an illustrator and I've met a lot of challenges getting work on places like Upwork. I've looked at your YouTube videos, but I'm having trouble translating that to illustration. Any advice? Yeah, I think that, I mean, so again, do the stuff that I tell you to do on Upwork as a, as a bare minimum, right? I just, I don't want to gloss over that. So do the stuff that I tell you to do on Upwork. It doesn't matter if you're an illustrator or not, like just... Or, or you're a web developer or not, try to apply it as best you can, right? Your, your profile doesn't have to be perfect. That, that's one thing to not get caught up in. If you just try to do the stuff that I, I, I've talked about how to do, you'll often be better than like 80 or 90% of the people in your industry out there anyway. So do that. But then use stuff outside of Upwork to get work on Upwork. A lot of people, right, they, they, they don't understand that. But Upwork is a network. It has network effects. Every job you get helps build your profile to help you get that next job even easier. So the reason that you would do a bunch of stuff outside of Upwork and point people to Upwork is to push that, that process to get the job on your own instead of having to get it from Upwork. And now Upwork uses that one job to help you get the next job on Upwork. And it helps build up your Upwork profile faster as opposed to if you're taking the stuff you're doing outside of Upwork and pointing it towards your own website, your own website doesn't have those network effects. It doesn't have, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs being posted and on millions of different clients and all that sort of stuff. So you you use the network effects to your advantage. So for an illustrator, I would think Instagram would be a really great place. Get on Instagram, start posting your pictures on your profile. Uh, you can write a description and have an actual clickable link. So in your description, say, hey, if you'd like me to do illustration work for, for you, visit my Upwork profile below, link to your Upwork profile, and then start posting pictures over on uh, Instagram because Instagram is a very visual medium. 
you know, and, and I would think your illustrations would do very well over on Instagram. And now you're taking those people from there over and pushing them towards your Upwork. And then like, I don't know, once a week or whatever seems natural to you, make an illustration, right? Make an ad. Okay. You're going to make an ad, but make it a really cool il illustration, right? I, the, there's this YouTuber I follow. They're political. So I'm going to, I'm going to avoid saying who it is just because I know people will get up in an uproar, but um, they make ads for sort of their membership site and the ads that they make are freaking hilarious. And like, you just want to watch the ads because they're awesome in and of themselves. So as an illustrator, make the ad like really cool, but it's an ad and it's like, you know, 10% off when you mention you know, you invite me to your job on Upwork and mention XYZ or whatever, right? Just put an ad in your Instagram that goes out to all those people that are following your, your, your illustrations and do that like once a week and then see what happens from there. You know, I'm again, I'm not an illustrator, so it's a little tough, but I would think that that would, that, that, that would lead to something. All right, JC, generally I try to write pseudocode first, description of what I want to achieve, not directly in code, planning is first coding is the last. Very much, very, very true. I've had to learn that the hard way. I don't necessarily use pseudocode, but I'll build out like all of my classes um, in advance and sort of think through what I want to do um, before I actually start writing code. All right, from Joseph, what is the first program language that you learned? I mean, the first, what would be considered a programming language was, was PHP. I'd obviously learned HTML and CSS before that. But PHP was the first one that I learned. Joseph, this is awesome. Thank you. Um, Joseph, do you recommend charging clients by monthly retainer or some other pricing? Um, I, I generally, it, it depends what you want to do, right? I never liked, I really never liked um, doing maintenance when it comes to coding, right? I liked building new things. And so... In if you're that type of person, you should really do fixed price projects, not even month or hourly projects. You should do fixed price projects and and charge just for the project. So um, that's one model that you can use. If you don't mind doing the maintenance stuff, or you like having like the the disadvantage of fixed price is that like you got to get a new client, you got to keep them coming in, right? So maybe you want a little bit more of security of having a. a clients who hire you on an hourly rate and they, 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 uh, they contract for so many hours per week. And that's a little more, you know, you, you're a little more stable for that and so forth. So then go that route. And then that route leads really, really well into a monthly retainer. And the way that you, I've, I did a whole video on this on my YouTube channel or on this channel, but, um, the way you roll into a monthly retainer is you look at, okay, a client is paying me, let's say $25 an hour and they're paying me for 10, 10 hours a week, every week. So they're paying me $250 a week, every single week, roughly a thousand dollars a month. Hey, do you guys just want to put me on ret monthly retainer for $800 uh, a month? Now, a lot of people are like, well, but that's less. Yes, but you are locking in right? You're, you're sort of locking them into that higher because maybe one week they'll say, well, we don't need you 10 hours this week. And now your month, your, your income can sort of fluctuate like that by locking them into a retainer, you make it even more stable. So if you want that stability of stability, security is your thing, which for a lot of people who freelance, that's sort of the big thing that they want to deal with. Then locking in that retainer, 
uh, is what you want to do, but you have to make it beneficial to the client, right? If you go to the client and say, hey, you just want to lock me in for a $1,000 retainer and they're already paying you $1,000, what's in it for them? What's the what, Why would they want to do that, right? So make it beneficial to them. And if you have, if you're charging clients on an hourly basis and you notice it's been two, three months now and they've been paying you pretty consistently, then that's when you can approach them about a retainer. And that's a really good thing to get into because it's really stable. Okay, Ibuken Williams, what is your timetable for daily coding and how long have you been coding? Well, how long have I been coding? Uh, since about 2004, I think, is technically when I started, so about 14 years. Um, what is your timetable for daily coding? As little as possible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, it, it, I don't know how long you've been coding, but when you reach the 10-year 10, 10, uh, mark, you'll understand that. But no, I mean... To be honest, these days, I don't code on a daily basis near as much as I used to. I, I sort of code as needed. I used to code a, a lot more, but, you know, I'm, I'm doing videos and I'm doing this sort of thing. And, you know, and even the clients that I work with, like the one client, I, I do coding for them, but I also run their membership site and create all the content for their membership site and that sort of thing. So, um I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of more have moved a little bit into that vein. So, um, I don't code near as much as I used to, but uh, off and on here again, I would say if you're new though, you should be coding a, a heck of a lot more, uh, than I do. All right. This is from Casey. All right. I have to become a freelancer, but really want, don't want to mess with WordPress. I already know how to code and build websites. Well, you don't have to do WordPress, right? There's plenty of stuff out there. That's not WordPress. I'm just saying like, there's the the difference between WordPress and PHP on Upwork, for example, uh, in terms of jobs. Well, uh, I think let's just look this up again. WordPress was around 11,000 right now. PHP is 8,950. JavaScript is 9,732. So it's not like there's no jobs over there. I'm just, what the point I was making is there's just WordPress for being what it is, right? It's not a language, right? It's not a framework necessarily. For being what it is, it actually has more jobs than, than even lang individual languages, which is sort of uh, different than you might think it is. But there's still plenty of PHP, JavaScript jobs out there. So you don't have to be uh, a WordPress developer. All right, let's see. John, how does security work with C what's up, TJ, by the way? Uh, John, how does security work with CMS-based websites? WordPress, Joomla, et cetera. Is the developer still primarily primarily responsible for keeping this site secure? Okay, so there's there's two things with this. And uh, the only reason I'm even gonna even gonna mention the one is because of the, one of the clients that I work with. He's really good about understanding the bigger, broader picture. And so it immediately, he's got me thinking this way. <laughs> anyway, when you say primarily responsible for keeping the site secure, right? So there, there is sort of this unwritten sort of agreement between the person who owns the website and the people who visit the website. If you're talking about like a membership site where people give their personal information or payment uh, e-commerce where there's payment information and so forth. Right. So there's a sort of unwritten rule between the person who owns it and the person who visits it and uses it that they're going to keep their data secure. OK. Ultimately, it's the person who owns it that is responsible. I should say not responsible is liable. Right. So if you own a website 
and you hire a developer to sort of build it for you and this, that, the other, and then it gets hacked and someone's personal information gets taken and that person sues, they're going to sue you, the website owner. Now you, the website owner could potentially sue the developer, but that's actually going to be a lot more difficult of a lawsuit in my understanding. I'm not a lawyer, but then the the site user suing the the site owner. So the site owner is ultimately liable, but of course they're going to rely on the developer. And so ultimately it's going to come down to you and certainly you should know that that sort of stuff. How does security work with CMS based websites? Well, it's it's sort of different. I mean, me I rely on services. So I can't remember if I'm using I think it's WordFence or is, yeah. I think it's WordFence which is a which is a security plugin for WordPress. And I believe I have their service, right? So they have a service that you can sort of tie into it and you pay, I don't think it's much, a few bucks a month. And they like do all of the stuff that needs to be done. I don't even know everything that they do, right? That's that's how I handle it. Like if you want to get the thing, the only reason you shouldn't get into security because you need to secure your website, uh, in my opinion, right? You should get into security because you like security. You want to build a security business. This is what you want to do. This is what you enjoy. If you just need to secure your website or clients' websites, like use a service that's already out there. Like I, I, it's a couple. I mean, maybe ten bucks a month. Tell your clients install this plugin and then pay for the service, and that's how you do security. And let the experts handle it. So. I don't think as a generic sort of WordPress developer, you need to know some basic stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like don't not think about security, but when it comes to the real detailed in depth, all of the stuff that they do and fighting with the hackers, use people who do that for a living. All right. Stony Vincent after Upwork, what lead channels can you start to transition to? I live in the barrier, so I don't get, so I do get some work from networking at meetups, but it usually takes a long time. So uh, uh, there's two things here. So after Upwork, ultimately, one of the things that I always advise is you should always eventually leave Upwork, right? So if you're talking about after Upwork in terms of like leaving it, you should ultimately go to your own website. But I'm not sure that 100% that's what you're talking about. So when it sort of outside of Upwork, other things that you can do, like online, you know, YouTube, your own blog, uh, going on Quora, going on Stack Overflow, anything out there where the people who you want to hire you hang out, right? And this is a this is a really important distinction that I think a lot of people miss. Okay, you don't like if from okay, I'll take me if I'm building membership sites for people, I don't want to hang out and go places where other developers hang out, right? Other developers are not my clients. They're not the people that are going to hire me. It's people who aren't developers and want to build membership sites. So where do those people hang out, right? And oh, I know, for example, there's a forum called Warrior Forum where a lot of internet marketers hang out. So I would go hang out there, not on Stack Overflow because that's not who my potential clients are. Okay, so hang out where your potential clients would be and then and create content, interact, answer questions, that sort of thing. That's sort of the thing to do online. And then as sort of offline, then yeah, I mean, business meetup groups, I've done that before, right? As a developer, if you've ever done this, 
if you go, if there's local business meetup groups in your area and you go to one of those, like you're going to be surrounded by like, so mine, it was real estate agents and bankers and all of these people. And they don't know a damn thing about technology. Like one, the one guy didn't even know how to use Facebook, like literally didn't even know how to use Facebook. So when you go to these places and do, and, and do these things, you're going to be like, they're going to be like piranhas circling you. So like you can get a lot of work if you really want to, to doing things like that. So get a, find a local uh, business meetup group. Some of them, will, they will ask for fees. Like I think the one I was in was like $40 a year. So pay the fee and, and be a part of that because it, it definitely can be worth it. All right. Sick pranks. Great advice. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for watching. Uh, ask about anything. It sure is. Uh, spiritual awakening, how to deal with burnout after studying full stack web development because I lose interest so easily. Okay. So, and I, I think this is probably gonna have to be the, the last question I see. I see my kids and my wife sort of hovering about lunch. So I think I'm gonna have to run here in a little bit. And thank you very much for everybody jumping on. This is awesome. Uh, if you guys want me to do this again, I know this is a little self-serving, but please like the video right? That's going to help me. And if you want me to do this again, please, please, please do that. Let me know that you, you, you want to do this, but how do you deal with burnout after studying full stack web development? Well, there's a couple things, right? The first one is you have to be willing to tackle the notion or deal with the notion that maybe coding isn't what you love to do. And a lot of coders and developers don't want to talk about that, but if you're con consistently getting burnt out and losing interest and don't like doing it, maybe it's not what you want to do with your life. Maybe it's not what you love doing and maybe you should consider doing something else. I think a lot of people have come into web development and coding because, you know, there's this big push out there in in politics and and in, you know, media and so forth about, you know, the, these these code things that they do every summer and so forth. And like there, there's, there's all this sort of pushing, um, towards, towards getting into code. And so you get a lot of people who maybe don't have the right personality for it, wouldn't enjoy it, wouldn't have fun doing it. It's not really what they they're passionate about coming in because it's, well, it could be a good job. And so, you know, you have to, you have to really think about and tackle the idea of maybe this isn't what you want to do. And if you're consistently losing interest, then maybe that's a sign. So that, that's sort of the first thing, you know, the other thing is, is I think a lot of people who are learning, right? You say after studying full stack web development, I think a lot of people in, um, you know, a lot of people who are in that learning phase, they sort of go into this like perpetual learning phase and they're just learning and learning and learning and learning and they're not applying for a job. They're not getting client work. They're not building apps that they're going to sell or, or whatever. They're not moving into the making a living part doing it. I don't know if that's your case, but I, f I find a lot of people do that and that will burn you out because at some point it's like, why am I learning all this? It's just sort of pointless. Like I'm just doing it to learn, right? You have to make that next step. And a lot of people are scared to do that, which is why I always hammer on people uh, to, to, to take clients, to apply for jobs, to get into that, um, you know, more sooner rather than later, because that's what gives you that next sort of your second wind as a developer is when you're like, Oh wait, 
I can make a living doing this. That's cool. And so that you, you got to move into that phase of things like people, human beings, the way we, we operate, like we have to keep moving. We have to keep doing things. We got, we can't, we, we, when we stay still and we stagnate, we lose interest, we get bored. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how much you love doing uh, uh, something like hell. Take this, for example, this YouTube stuff, right? I've been making videos for a long time. And there's there are days when it's sort of like, yeah, I've always done this. Live streaming is new, right? Now I'm doing this. And I mean, when I first jumped on there here, right? I, I always tell you guys, I'm I'm naturally an introverted person. And like, I was nervous, right? It scared me. But that sca- part of it being scary is also what sort of brings you alive and is like, that's what makes it fun again. So, you know, for me, this is a good example of it. Like, this is the next step. This is the next thing. And that's what, like, reinvigorates you. So you you always got to be making that next step. And I think for a lot of people in that learning phase, that next step is getting work, making a living doing it, getting a job and so forth. So that would be my advice in that regard. All right, guys. Uh, again, I, I, I got to run. I got I to gotta go get lunch ready for the kids and stuff. So I appreciate everybody uh, jumping on. I do see you crusader rabbits. Your hair looks on point. I appreciate that. I'm in my ugly phase right now trying to, trying to grow it out and it's curly. So it just kind of goes poof like that. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I appreciate you guys jumping on. This was awesome. I really enjoyed this again. If you want me to keep doing this, please, please, please make sure and like the video comment on when I put up the video to tell me to keep doing it, all that sort of stuff. I want to hear, that you guys want to keep want me to keep doing this. Um, I, I I I enjoyed it, and so I think I probably will anyway, no matter what you think. But uh, again, appreciate you guys jumping on, and we'll see you guys later.